You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, and host of On The Fly, the Pelicans official Twitch show over at Twitch.com slash PelicansNBA, Tuesday, December 17th, next episode coming up. Jake Madison here, at Nola Jake on Twitter, on a Monday with you all as we're kicking off a week's worth of podcasts. Which might be a little bit depressing given the state of the Pelicans right now. They suffered their worst regular season loss ever on Saturday in an early game against the Dallas Mavericks. We'll talk about it. There are things to talk about with that. Then we're going to look at Alvin Gentry, the coaching staff, and kind of just the general state of this team. Is it time for moves or are there moves to be other moves to be made? Or is it the offseason that is the, when you make these kind of decisions? We'll discuss all of that and then look ahead to tonight's game against the Detroit Pistons. What could be, maybe, a winnable game for your New Orleans Pelicans. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So it was a rough night in Dallas as the Pelicans took on the Mavericks in an early game, a 1 p.m. tip, which Andrew Lopez of ESPN.com, good for him for being there, pointed out that they're putting these weird afternoon games on on the uh, weekend so that these games are in prime time over in Europe where people still have an appetite for basketball. So kind of cool to see that the Pelicans were on there and they made history in this one. Just the wrong kind of history. The worst regular season defeat in franchise history, falling 130 to 84. That's a 46 point blowout, with New Orleans now dropping eight straight games and maybe hitting rock bottom. But I don't even think that because they can probably, things can probably get worse. After this Detroit game tonight, the schedule isn't exactly the most winnable thing for the team, so there is a chance that this losing streak could hit double digits. So this is the worst regular season defeat in franchise history. The worst defeat ever is that playoff game that we're not going to mention, but also that feels like it was generations ago at this point, so you may as well call this one the worst defeat in Pelicans history. They were abysmal in this game. There is no other way to put it. Didn't look like they came to play whatsoever, and these comments were echoed by Alvin Jen after the game saying we didn't compete now that we've gone through a lot of losing basketball here in New Orleans the past couple of years maybe 10 years a decade or so and rarely did you just see the team not care not try this is one of those games where guys just did absolutely nothing and that is not good and that is a big concern and we're going to talk about that in the next segment coming up here in just a moment but before we do that we still need to talk about this game things were bad New Orleans just couldn't get anything going, and their offense looked pretty pitiful. I've been a believer in the offense in the three-point shooting. You guys have heard me say it. I've defended a lot of those early threes that they take. This was not the case. They took a good number of threes, 32, but only hit three of them. That's under 10%, 9.4% to be exact. 
That's bad. There's, there's no other way of putting that. But these threes were not even the good looks that we're used to seeing from them. And if you miss those threes, it's one thing. But this was late shot clock usage threes and just the team not playing the way that they want to play. And you saw it. It's called shell offense by Coach Jamel McMillan when he speaks on the broadcast during those in-between quarter interviews. He says, we just kind of stand around doing nothing, playing iso ball or just passing around on the perimeter. And that's what New Orleans did in this one. They did not even really try to drive and attack at times. You could see it, and it was awful. They just stood all around the perimeter, passing the ball around the perimeter. Maybe a half-ass screen is being set, but more often than not, nothing really. No movement, no action, and just passing for the sake of passing, and it's weird. And they do that, and then all of a sudden, there's five seconds or left, uh, less left on the shot clock, and they got to chuck a three. And they did, and those aren't good looks. And you sometimes have shooters doing that that you don't want to be shooting that because they're not great three-point shooters. It was just a lack of effort or anyone giving a damn or trying. Again, normally that's not the case for this team, but it certainly was in this one. So by the numbers, New Orleans struggled here on the night. Again, I mentioned the three-point shooting. J.J. Redick, 15 points on the night, got to the line eight times. That's where the majority of his points came from. Brandon Ingram, 50% from the field, one of four from deep, only got to the line twice. Four rebounds, 14 points on the night. Jackson Hayes, 11 points, three of seven shooting. He got to the line six times. You've got to like that if he's capable of doing that. Front court of him and uh, Zion Williamson one day can wreck some absolute havoc. Lonzo Ball had an atrocious game for him. Two points on the night. 0 for 7 from 3, 1 of 9 total from the field. Four rebounds, two assists, three turnovers. It, it's bad Lonzo Ball. We saw a good game the other night from him. Not the case in this one. He just flat out stunk. Passive, didn't look to drive or tack. His defense hasn't been there all year. I don't know what's going on there, but they need something from him. I don't mind some of the shots that he takes, some of the threes. But when you're 0 for 7 and you're ripping shots late in the shot clock, maybe do something else. And you're not seeing him do that, and that is a bit of a problem. That's on him and on the coaching staff for not getting through to him too. You had Drew Holiday in this one. Still not much of a, a factor either. No one was. 7 of 15 from the field. 0 for 4 from 3. 3 rebounds. 4 assists. 2 turnovers. 14 points. Kenrich Williams, 4 points. Jaleel Okafor struggled in this one. 6 points on the night, but 3 of 8 shooting. He had 4 turnovers, particularly in the second half where he was just played off the court by Boban and was an absolute liability for New Orleans. This was not a good game for him. Josh Hart hit a 3. Three points, one of five. Nikhil Alexander-Walker tried to do some other things and drive and attack, but finished three of 10 from the field, 0 for four from deep, seven points. Frank Jackson, three of seven from the field, 0 for one from deep, got to the line twice, hit both of them, eight points on the night. Nicolo Melli, a minus nine, didn't do anything, and there's no even point in going over his stat line. You had Luka Doncic scoring in double figures, 26 for the Mavs, Tim Hardaway Jr., 14, Kristaps Porzingis, 13. You also had off the bench Boban, 15 points, Seth Curry, 11. Jalen Brunson, 14. Basically, the Mavs did whatever they wanted to because the defense in this one, absolutely atrocious. No closeouts. Closeouts were lazy if they were even there. No help defense. No one knows what they're supposed to do on defense, it really seems like. Who's the help defender? No one can tell you because they are not well coached in that manner and they're not communicating while out on the court too. They are really bad on that side of the ball. So no help defense, putting them in long rotations again, which means they get burned and it is the story of the regular season. You also give up probably too many offensive boards, something they've struggled with as well, where you had the Dallas Mavericks really doing 
in-between work on the second chance points, the offensive glass. Four second chance points for New Orleans, 16 for the Dallas Mavericks. New Orleans did okay in the first half. They had two turnovers. And they were still down 12 going into it because basically the only two guys who were playing were J.J. Redick and Drew Holiday. Asked after the game what to do about this, J.J. Redick said, I don't know. When your locker room presence, your veteran presence is saying that things are going really, really poorly for you this season. There's no other way to put it. Till they get this defense figured out and guys start to care a little bit more, they're going to lose a bunch of games. And it's unfortunate that we're seeing this. And this is going to lead into what we need to talk about next. Part of it is... Where are we handing out blame because that's something we have to do and something people want. We can't escape that in modern day sports talk. But who's to blame? What's going on with the coaching staff with this? How much blame is on them? How much blame is on the players? All of the above probably is the answer. We'll touch on that coming up in just a moment. Before we get to that, today's show brought to you by Audible. It's that time of year where everyone is traveling, running around, and getting thoughtful gifts for people you care about. If you're thinking about giving yourself a gift, give the gift of an Audible membership. And now is the best time to do it with a special offer of 53% off your first three months. Access an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivation, mysteries, thrillers, memoirs, and more. You can choose three titles every month, one audiobook and two exclusive Audible originals you can't hear anywhere else. Listen on any device, anytime, anywhere with the Audible app. It's great while commuting at the gym or during your holiday travels. With Audible, you'll also enjoy easy audiobook exchanges and your own audiobook library to keep forever, even if you cancel. And right now, for a limited time, you can get three months of Audible for just $6.95 a month. That's more than half off the regular price. Give yourself the gift of listening. For more, go to audible.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's audible.com slash LockedOnNBA. And right now, again, for a limited time, you can get three months off Audible for just $6.95 a month. And that's more than half off the regular price. Audible.com slash LockedOnNBA. Or you can text LockedOnNBA to 500-500. Text five, uh, sorry, text locked on NBA to 500 500. If you want a recommendation on there, by the way, they've got Andre Iguodala's memoir, The Sixth Man, which I've been listening to, which is really great, kind of a journeyman story. Interesting role that he's had with a number of teams. So if you want to know a little bit more about that, audible.com slash locked on NBA. So let's dole out some blame because in terms of modern sports coverage, that's what we've got to do. There's no such thing as a blameless loss. One team was just better than the other. We've got to try and pinpoint it down and find the root cause of it, which I think is kind of silly. And as I've seen the discussions on Twitter about this, I see people defending the coaching staff, some trying to blame the players, a lot of people who cover the team doing this, which I don't think is the thing to do. I don't care either way who has blame. My job is to talk about the team, and everyone has blame in this one. So when you see tweets trying to say, well, the players, it's the players' fault, or it's the coach, anyone who's picking one side and like defending that to the death and trying to stick that to you a little bit, there might be some agenda there or something like that. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Everyone's to blame in this, but you can look at a lot of it and it kind of comes around the discussion of the defense to really see where these people's responsibilities are for for things are. So let's look at this team with that defense as I talked about it in the last segment. The coaching staff gets a ton of blame on this. The scheme they were running to start the year was crap and not working and then they switched and it's still not working. They're not coaching this team up defensively. No one seems to know where they should be. And I don't think this is a thing of like, well, the coaches have told them and so it's the players not executing, so the coaches are absolved of all blame. It's not the case. 
If you're not getting through to guys, you need to find a different way of getting through to guys. And they have not been able to do that. And that is very disappointing to see. And in this game against Dallas, it just seemed like they haven't been paying attention to the coaching staff whatsoever. Now, this might make you think I'm in favor of a midseason coaching change. I'm not. I'm not a fan of the job that Alvin Gentry has done this year whatsoever. And I've been pretty critical of him very recently about that. I just don't think changing coaches midseason, particularly before he's ever coached Zion Williamson to see and seeing how Zion takes to him, which is more important than winning games right now, is, is a reason to fire a guy. You know, I think you keep him to see how that goes because that is the most important thing. And so it's not about giving him a fair shake. Nothing needs to be fair here in sports. And you get paid and this kind of comes with the territory for the money that you're making and the job of being an NBA head coach. But these guys are not well prepared to play defensively. Now, some of it's also on them. They're not communicating. They need to be communicating. You can see it. And if you're sitting anywhere near the court when they're playing, no one's talking to each other and letting them know where a cutter's coming from or who needs to move over. And they just have zero chemistry out there on the court. They need to develop that. And that's a lot on the players too. What's also on the players is... Oh, sorry, what's on the coaching staff with that is Gentry's rotations have been rough so far this year. He's not stuck to any group and is constantly changing rotations, changing lineups. Each one more has been in and out and in and out. Some guys get heavy minutes one game, none the next. And they're playing still a significant amount of guys throughout the course of a game when you maybe want to have this dialed in a little bit more. I was on the Locked On NBA podcast today talking about this, saying, you know, through the first quarter of the year, maybe they would have been experimenting. I was kind of expecting that. I told you guys on this podcast I was expecting that. but it probably needed to have stopped by now and by throwing these different combinations of rotations lineups all of that out there none of these guys can get any sort of consistency none of these players can get this consistency to help communicate with each other because they don't know who they're going to be out there with now they're professional basketball players and they should probably do better than what they're doing but by the same point you got to make it a little bit easy on them there's tons of blame to go go around with why this defense is bad The players need to be attacking, or if Lonzo Ball's not going to do it, maybe sit him down and put in Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who does attack the rim at least. He might not finish well there, but maybe you just need something to kind of spark the team a little bit. So I know people have been calling for Alvin Gentry, and I think maybe you really look at this this offseason and see if he's your guy going forward. I don't think most people kind of expected him to be the long-term head coach of the team. You do need a caretaker, and there's something to be said for continuity. But maybe moving on from him, which is probably eventually going to be the plan, or maybe hopefully not because he succeeds and does well. But now looking at this, you've got to wonder if he's going to make it into the start of next season. I'm not saying fire him now. I don't think that does you any sort of good at all. I think it probably makes things worse. But I don't know if he's someone you can keep next season with how things have gone. And they haven't really been good defensively under him at any point in time. They've had stretches where they've been good. They had one season when they were in, I think, the top 10. uh, The year they made the playoffs against the Portland Trailblazers. But overall, the defense under him has been bad. And when it's been this long with this many players, that's saying a little bit of something. And so there's just blame everywhere. And it's disappointing to see, but it's on the coaching staff for these weird rotations, guys not knowing whether they're going to play that night or not, not being able to kind of get through games with the same unit a lot of the time too. Injuries have played a part in that as well. And certainly having Derek Favors out there would be a helpful thing, but he's still away from the team dealing with the loss of his mom. And so you can't get it. 
but you still need to maybe kind of come down with some core guys who play together and let them develop chemistry and see if they start to improve uh, on that side of the ball with it. But we're not being able to see that. And at this point, just stick with a group and see what happens for a stretch. Change it after a couple games or so. But we're really not even able to see that. So it's been disappointing and a struggle with this team because of all of those things. So there's blame on the players for not really doing stuff they need to do. But also a lot of blame on the coaching staff for not nearly doing the things they need to do. So it's rough right now, but one place we're having fun with Pelicans basketball, and that is the new Twitch show that I host for the team called On The Fly. We had Josh Hart on there last week talking all things video games and Call of Duty, as well as some other on-court stuff too, his missed high fives and the history of all of that and how you've got to try and play it cool. We also looked at the growth of Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and then the great thing about Twitch is it's live and interactive, and you can ask questions in the moment. We took your questions, we answered your questions, and we'll be doing this again on December 17th uh, before the Nets game. We should be live from in the Smoothie King Center. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you want to join in on it, go to twitch.com slash Pelicans NBA. The first episode is saved on there. That's twitch.com slash Pelicans NBA. It was a lot of fun. I hope you tune in next time. It's a lot of fun to be working with the team as well. So one more time, twitch.com slash Pelicans NBA. So the Pelicans have a winnable game tonight in the Smoothie King Center as they take on the Detroit Pistons, who are 9-14 on the season. By the way, that puts you ninth in the West in the Eastern Conference. Must be kind of nice to kind of be like that and still be in contention. The Pelicans would have an outside shot at it. They still have a bit of an outside shot um, with everything here still, too. They're an okay team. 9-14 and 14 is about right for their record. They are pretty good offensively, which bodes poorly for New Orleans. This is a team that is the number one three-point shooting team in the league, hitting, if you round up, 40% of their attempts from deep. They don't take a ton of them, but when they do, you've got to make sure you're on those guys because it can be a bit of a problem. They also go after offensive rebounds like crazy and with some of the issues we've seen from New Orleans with that they might be able to get a lot of second chance points in that one so you need a stout game from Jackson Hayes a significantly better game from Jalil Okafor I don't know if Favors is going to be back or not yet for this one Uh, Andre Drummond leading them on the season 17.7 points per game and also averaging an absurd absurd 17 total rebounds including five basically per game offensively Luke Kennard is definitely in the running for most improved player 16.4 points per game 4.3 assists 3.5 rebounds he's having a bit of a nice season for him also shooting 41% from deep Blake Griffin back for now 11 games from his injury to start the year 19.4 points per game doing Blake Griffin like things he's also expanded his range to threes not a great shooter there but he can make you uh pay if you leave him wide open langston galloway of baton rouge 12.3 points per game you also have derrick rose who's having a pretty good year for him averaging 16 points per game alongside six rebounds and then markeith morris putting up 10 points so it's going to take kind of a team effort and you've got to be stout defensively which I'm not expecting going into this one because Detroit having a top 10 offense can really make you pay. Defensively, they're not going to provide a ton of resistance other than Andre Drummond at the rim for this team. And if you can get him into some early foul trouble, which has not been an easy thing to do this year, you definitely have a chance to really score on this team. And if they're not able to keep up with you or if their three-point shooting goes a little bit cold, New Orleans can get this one. 
it's not out of the realm of possibility. So I think you have a chance to win it. You really want to try and win it. Um, so that's going to be a very big thing. Obviously, you really want to try and win it because the rest of the schedule for the rest of the week going up through Christmas Day looks to be pretty tough. So hopefully New Orleans comes to play in this one, or at least has some, you know, give a damn in them, which is something you did not see against the Dallas Mavericks. You have that. You've got a chance. Hopefully we'll see it. I think the fans deserve it. The fans want to see that. If they don't, things might to start uh, might start to get a little bit ugly. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Don't forget, subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Here Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, also the host of On The Fly on the Pelicans' official Twitch channel, twitch.com slash pelicansnba. Thank you all for listening, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow to recap the game. 